destroyed on site. The language and conversations contained within this podcast are often not suitable for minors, nuns, people with heart conditions, the humorless, and the easily offended. Spoilers for the films discussed are often in abundance. We're back for They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 107, and I'm your host, Lee Russell, and I'm joined by my co-host, the uh, very sickly but uh, determined to uh, show up for the show, Paul Romali. How you doing, sir? Very sickly, of course. There I am. I'm here, though. Awesome. And the show must go on. Indeed it will. So we're going to be looking at a Canadian production. It, it was shot in the U.S., but a Canadian production uh, all the same. Uh, Death Dream, also known as Dead of Night from 1974. But before we get into that, we have a couple of listener comments to get through really quickly. So Kyle G.J. David from YouTube, he commented on our um, Van Nuys Boulevard, The Van, and Malibu Beach episode we did way back when. He said the hamburger French kiss scene between Bill Adler and Tara Strohmeyer really grossed me out in the Van Nuys Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they kind of uh, predicted uh, food porn decades yeah, ahead, exactly. ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what, what, what is it? What is, it uh, is it splooshing or something along those lines it's called? Uh, I don't know, but I have a couple that's called feeder fucker and stuffers. Oh. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's a social term. I'm not. I'm not hip on the streets lately. So yeah, we we should have Daniel here. He probably knows all about all kinds of food porn. Yeah. But, exactly. Uh, he also uh, says Stuart Getz, who played Bobby in the van, played Charlie on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I've never watched an episode of the Brady Bunch, so. I, I I have no idea who the fuck Charlie is. Um, Never saw the one where Marsha gets hit in the face of the football. She has the broken nose. Isn't that isn't that the uh, the the remake movies from? No, the... I think they did that one in actually one of the real actual um, episodes. Not really. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I never saw that. I, I, I didn't figure they could get away with breaking kids' nose on TV back then. But uh, Oh, you could get away with lots of stuff. Uh, well, if there's an episode where uh, one of the Brady girls gets her tits out, then maybe yeah. I'll watch that one. Well, there was one where there was a three-way, but I don't know if they aired that. I think that might have been director's cut. <laughs> that might have actually just been behind the scenes, yeah. It was, like, it was basically like Flowers in the Attic meets the Brady Bunch. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's that's not good. Um, <laughs> and he also says, uh, finally, and Bill Adler, who played Bobby in Van Nuys Boulevard, retired from acting and became a leather entrepreneur selling quality leather at Will Leather Goods, and it has has a website, which is true. Uh, I actually knew that. Our friends over at BB and BC podcast covered a couple of these uh, movies, and when I was listening to their episodes, they mentioned uh, that Bill Adler is now a leather entrepreneur, which Ooh. sounds like it should be much more dirty than is that what his well, job actually it, it entails. It probably can get dirty. It just yeah. depends on how you use it. Uh, I, I did see I did see uh, some videos. I, I went to the website and uh, looked looked up some stuff on there. And yeah, it's Bill Adler. He's uh, you know he, he's still pretty thin, but his head got ginormous. <laughs> I don't, I, he, he he he's he's lost all of his hair and his head became ginormous. I don't know how that becoming slowly becoming Jack the Pumpkin King. Yeah, I I don't know what happened there, but uh, looks like he's doing pretty well for himself. So that's pretty good. There you go. So a little little bit of callback to uh, one of our uh, classic sex comedy series episodes there. So, yeah. So uh, thank you for the comments there, Kyle. And uh, of course, if you want to leave comments. You can do it on our uh, YouTube version of our of our podcast, but the best place to go is our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook, where you can just join up and you can just leave comments and questions and film suggestions and uh, all that other good stuff. Criticisms. Um, perhaps you can uh, give a really killer chicken soup uh, recipe for poor Paul here who's suffering. Yes. I need some right now. <laughs> You ungodly warlock. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops.
this is a distress call from across time and space, I am Babs the automated biological support system for the humanoid known as the Witch. Witch vs the Doomsday Clock is the weekly chronicle of his fight for survival and entertainment on the junk heap of the future. Episodes are transmitted in 15-minute pulses across the Dimensional Divide weekly for your listening pleasure. As you will learn, the future is not set in stone, and a flux capacitor is a girl's best friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Come join the rest of the Meat Popsicles in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash vs the Doomsday Clock. The replicant known as Witch can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Instagram by searching for THEWYCH. The Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Now in the words of Lord Humongous. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror. full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. <laughs> Most effective, Your Majesty. We'll destroy this Earth. Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in Wool Rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming, for now.
You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric boogaloo? Samurai cop? Army of darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. You ungodly warlock.
His hair is dry and his skin is pale He wears shades and he smells kind of stale Yeah, don't laugh, but thank you very much Did you notice that he's cold to the touch? Look, man, I think your friend Billy might be dead Look, I'm telling you, I think your friend Billy might be dead The chicks really dig him, he's got one on each side Don't you think it's strange he's got a hearse for a ride? I'm talking serious, I'm not half-crocked You know it's kind of weird, his fridge is padlocked Hey, I think your friend Billy might be dead Yeah, I think your friend Billy might be dead Heavy makeup. I know I'm obsessed, but I must know the truth. Think your friend Billy that might be dead. Look, let's talk serious. I think your friend Billy might be dead. Pretty soon everyone thought I was going crazy. You're just jealous of Billy He's just kind of lazy So I did some research And found something scary Went to the library And found Billy's obituary Huh? Uh, here's his picture I'll tell you now Your friend Billy Is officially dead Your friend Billy Is dead Your friend Billy is dead. El Morte. No more. God, I like, I can't believe I had sex with him. Oh, God. This might be a shorter episode than... Well, we'll see. I, yeah. I, got, a lot to, I got a lot to say about this movie anyway, but... Uh, uh, we are going to jump right into it. We are going to look at Death Dream, also known as Dead of Night from 1974. Dead of Night. The story of one night in a small town that changed the lives of many and ended the lives of some. As night fell, something evil descended upon the town. Something corrupt, 
unspeakable. Behind their drawn curtains they waited as fear walked in the dead of night. Where you headed? Come on, hop aboard. to the importance of the first five minutes of Dead of Night, audiences will not be seated after the beginning of the picture. It's directed by Bob Clark, and you might know that name. He also directed such movies as Porky's, Porky's Ooh. 2, The Next Day, A Christmas Story, Murder by Decree, Black Christmas, and Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. Yeah. Yeah, he's got quite the pedigree. Uh, he's, got very cool. he's quite the CV. Yeah. Unfortunately, he and his uh, kid died in a uh, car accident a few years back, apparently. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. The writer, Alan Ormsby, also uh, has directed some things in, in his time, uh, and he's collaborated with Bob Clark several times uh, on Children Shouldn't Play of Dead Things. I believe he directed Deranged. Um, Beautiful film. Yeah, and he's written uh, a lot of stuff, too, for uh, Bob Clark. He, he, re- he wrote Porky's 2 the next day. Uh, he did makeup on Shockwaves. He directed Popcorn 
from ah, uh, 89. Yeah, although I think he's uncredited on that one, but he did direct Popcorn. He's also uncredited on this film uh, as far as makeup design, too. Uh, a certain uh, young man named Tom Zavini got his first big break on this movie as far as doing makeup effects. And I think he was just, he was more an assistant to Ormsby than anything else, actually, uh, at, at this point. But but interesting that he ended up making a uh, sort of zombie in this film with Ormsby and would then later go on to great success making zombies for uh, Romero. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to a brief synopsis here from uh, R.L. Strong from IMDb. And this is what they have to say about this film. A young soldier is killed in the line of duty in Vietnam. That same night, the soldier returns home, brought back by his mother's wishes that he don't die. Upon his return, Andy sits in his room, refusing to see his friends or family, venturing out only at night. The vampiric horror is secondary to the terror that comes from the disintegration of the typical American family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, covers some aspects of this film I, I think yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's starring John Marley as Charles Brooks John Marley you might have seen as well in uh, The Godfather um, or actually I think it's The Godfather Part 2 if I'm not mistaken it, It's he, he's the uh, film producer who gets the horse head in his bed yeah horse head in the bed yeah. yeah Lynn Carlin as Christine Brooks Richard Backus as Andy Henderson Forsyth as Doc Allman Anya Ormsby as Kathy Brooks, Jane Daly as Joanne, and Michael Mazes as Bob. And yeah, I'll, I'll throw over to you first there, uh, Paul. What are, your, what are your sort of initial thoughts on this film? Well, I mean, it, it does look a little dated as far as the 70s go. I know it was shot in 72 and then released in 74 right after right. the Vietnam War was over. But I mean, it does it does have a very poignant statement about you know anti-war and things like that, and then post-traumatic stress disorder. If you really want to look into it, that was just something they were really starting to diagnose. It was it it's it's very well paced, I thought overall, mm-hmm. and um, especially towards the end, I think the graphics are because it got a little color me blood red there for a second, but then near the end, it, it got actually some pretty serious stuff going on. So overall, I thought it was a good film. One of the things, uh, I like you mentioned, it, it is very well-paced. It's very moody. I think the direction's kind of interesting, where this film kind of looks like a George Romero film. It kind of lo- fits into uh, the crazies and Martin yes. as far as its look. And it's interesting that this movie sort of predates Martin by a few years, and it has a sort of a similar antagonist in the film, where, he, where Andy comes back as this sort of uh, vampiric ghoul of, yes. of sorts. And he's, you know, he there's, there's of course, just the strangeness of him uh, when he comes back. So you can sort of compare that to Martin. But the biggest thing is the way he uh, kills his victims for uh, blood, where he uses a syringe, just like Martin right. does. Yeah. And then, um, and then basically gets high off of it. Like, yeah, there's a, obviously, there's a little bit of a, a drug overlay, too, in that as well. Because he gets, you can see he gets super high when he, when he shoots up. Right. So, yeah, th- this does... Uh, it, it doesn't go super uh, preachy, but it does touch on the Vietnam War. It touches on the soldiers returning home and how a lot of them had post-traumatic stress disorder, as you said, and how a lot of them uh, coped with it with uh, drug addiction. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very blatant, but at the same time, it feels very subtle because it's in the context of this ghoulish vampire movie where mm-hmm. this guy comes back dead and uh, literally dead inside 
where you could say that for some uh, victims of of this war coming back, um, where they're they're so far removed from society and uh, their past life, they almost feel like they're dead and just disconnected from everything in their in their past life. But here he literally is, and I, I found it kind of interesting because the only thing he actually seems to feel is just like this intense rage and anger inside of right. him. And every time he sees something that reminds him of his past life, he ends up just crushing it. Like he just right. he, he just tries to destroy it. Just just that scene where, uh, and this is like the first of several really striking scenes in this film is the one where he kills the dog. Where right. he <laughs> choke <laughs> so, that fucker. Yeah, uh, the the little dog rushes up at him, and he just grabs it right by the throat and kills it. And uh, you have all the reaction shots of the little kids uh, that were around him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I thought it was really well done. But yeah, uh, it, it was interesting. I'm, I'm watching the um, second uh, series of the TV version of uh, Fargo, uh, you know, the movie Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a TV series based on that. And uh, Ted Danson's actually in the second season, and he's actually really good. He actually became a really excellent actor. <laughs> Ted Danson yeah. from Cheers, yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he, but he, he plays he plays like a, a sheriff in that, and his son is a uh, is a sheriff as well, I guess, or, or some sort of officer. And uh, they're they're both war veterans. Ted Danson, he, he's a World War II war veteran, and and the other guy is a Vietnam War veteran, and he has this line about how. When when he came back from World War II, he didn't bring the war back with him. But it seems like the Vietnam vets actually brought the war back with them mm-hmm. to to America, and you sort of get that sense here because it, it sort of comments on like the breakdown of the family, but it also sort of comments on how this little you know this perfect idyllic middle class American town suddenly gets kind of like turned upside down on its head. Mm-hmm. And sort of corrupted because of the horrors of that war. Sort of a commentary on how the Vietnam War was like the first big televised war. Yeah, that was the first thing that people actually could see what's going on every day on on the nightly news. Yeah, and so I mean, the, you you couldn't shy away from the horrors. You couldn't quite cover them up like you could in World War Two, where yeah, and and the society was different too, right? I mean, back in World War Two. You come back, and whether you have post-traumatic stress disorder or not, which it wasn't even a thing then. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, obviously, would, people people had it, but it wasn't diagnosed. Yeah, you you just you manned up, and you didn't yeah. talk about it, right? Well, you also had ticker tape parades, and people were treating you like a hero. Mm-hmm. Where in Vietnam, they were spitting in your face and calling you a baby murderer. Yeah, you know what I mean, and ostracizing you. So you, there was no welcome home. A yeah. lot of times, you know, and uh, society was very poor on that and using them as the scapegoat instead of the government as the scapegoat. Yeah, the, the government used those kids and chewed them up. And then when they came back, they weren't welcome. My uncle went to Vietnam and after he came back, he ended up hitting drugs pretty hard and then he shot himself. So like, I get it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things. It just uh, some people can't deal with it. Yeah. This is one of the first movies that really um, and I mean. People say, no, there's a lot of movies that came around, out around this time that sort of deal with this stuff. But actually, 
this kind of predates uh, most of these movies that commentate on Vietnam because, again, you have to remember it was made in 72. It just got released right. in 74. But, and, of course, the war was almost over by 74 or was over. You know, it, it, at least the U.S. was pulling out by then. So. Right. And if they were released it before 74, it probably would have got stamped out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It it, it is a it is a very timely uh, picture. It it is a very relevant picture. I think I think it's still kind of relevant in that regard today. When you look at the Gulf War and the other subsequent Afghanistan war, very similar circumstances these days. Especially where now news is twenty four seven. It's just you, you can't escape it. It, it. There's so so much of it now that it almost feels like we're just numb to it. Watching oh it no! Yeah, yeah, you, you get uh, you, you definitely get uh, used to it. Um, dehumanized, kind of. <laughs> you know, it's been a way. There's no, uh, there's no safety blanket really. There's no safety net for these people returning from these wars. Like they're just, I mean, some of them are treated fine and get lucky, but a lot of them just don't. They they nice. they, they they just fall off of the face of society, and. Um, that's one of those things this movie sort of commentates on. It's just like mm-hmm. he he stops being a part of the living. Like he he just stops uh, participating in life. He does. Uh, he does have a very uh, good way of making a very awkward moment by laughing and things. He did a very good job with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard Bacchus. He actually he actually got hired over. Uh, well, I think Christopher Walken was considered. But he, I don't. He never. I don't think he read for the part. But um, Bacchus had this nice, this really intense stare. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess the casting director said, "Look at me with your best stare of just like intense hatred and like pent up fr- frustration and anger." And and he just came up with that stare, and that's what basically got him the part. Well, I don't know. Christopher Lee's not your all American boy, is he? I said really? I, I said Christopher Walken. Walken, I thought you said Christopher Lee. Maybe no. maybe maybe I just really love Christopher Lee because Walken. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lee in this would have been uh, interesting. That would have been fine, actually. I don't know Christopher Walken. I don't know if he would have did it so well because he would have just started talking about my daddy's watch that was in my ass and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, this would have been the uh, the younger, more intense Christopher Walken who wasn't doing the uh, funny caricature. Oh, like the uh, the Biloxi Blues. I'm actually insane, Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the real crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, or you know his 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 cheekbones were so sharp they they could cut you uh yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah christopher lee would have been like uh you have killed my squad mates now you now will be was, killed now you will be killed yeah. why am i wearing a dracula cape in a vietnam movie i'm not saying these shit lines i'm just mm. gonna stare at people see he, he would have worked in this movie he wouldn't have to say he, many lines he said no you would never know he was english <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm, I'm, I'm about as old as my dad, but that's all right. We'll, that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. We'll just put it's called makeup, asshole. It's called acting, fucker. <laughs> there are some notable parts in the film. Right when he was talking about the old ways, when they're going to go out, and the, the four of them are going to go out, mm-hmm. uh, you notice one of like a bulb goes out because you see a bright flash and it goes to nothing. And then he looks out the so. window. Yeah, it don't, I thought it was going to be like a lightning storm or something like that. But then it was like a daylight, and the kids are playing outside. I'm like, oh, fuck up, right there. No, well, yeah, I didn't. So, yeah, I didn't see that. But and then um, the uh, purposely awkward fucking police guy sitting on a chair playing with the uh, oh. line for. I'll be like, is someone going to tell him to shut up? 
is anybody going to tell him? <laughs> yeah, it, it sets the tension well, though, too. Because, yeah, it does. Yeah, this is a really intense scene because up to this point, the uh, the father, he knows there's something wrong with Andy, but he can't bring himself to do anything about it, so he just starts getting really fucking drunk. Right. And, and then he finally kind of decides, like, half drinks himself into courage to uh, go and basically turn his son in to the police, mm-hmm. but he eventually doesn't. But, I mean, there's this, this long, tense scene where he's trying to spill his guts to the, no, the no, police. No, from, from Patterson. That's why it took so long. No, yeah. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, and and there's this fucking jerk-ass cop who's just sitting there playing with the fucking blinds, and, <laughs> and point of the police chief is like, what the hell are you doing? Bob, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's good, yeah. That one, act- and, uh, I actually like the, the. There's a couple of people that I actually thought were really good actors in this film. I actually like the stuttering fucker. Oh yeah, that. The, well, there's 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 funny like side characters. Yeah, in this. Like, like the drunk in the beginning is funny. Yeah, the drunk. Well, is he one of our yeah. soldiers? Uh, one of our soldiers. Well, that's, that's how we were gonna get invaded. That's <laughs> how we were gonna get invaded. It's like yeah. yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of interesting because it it kind of makes you wonder. Well, how how far are they gonna go with some of these characters? Are they are they gonna go fucking town the dreaded sundown? Or are you gonna start yeah. hearing like? Uh, Dukes of Hazard music playing in the background, but but no, it's just it's just like sprinkled through. There's that guy. There's the uh, fucking mailman who's also kind of a doofus. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they just sort of sprinkle them in there just to ease the tension oh, down. And a the, bit. Uh, the the I think he was a, like a sheriff or just a, a police officer. They kept poking the dead body with his fingers, and the the the, the doctor actually slapped him away, like knock it the fuck off. Because yeah, I can't. Was, I mean, the, the doctor played a really good straight man through the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the oh yeah, the doctor. I mean, the doctor is kind of actually the like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee part. And if this yeah. was a different movie, he'd be like the hero of the story, like hunting down the monster or something, right? Right. Because he he, he kind of catches on even more so that there's definitely something wrong with Andy, and it's like mm. I, I got to get to the bottom of this shit. Yeah, one of the cops is actually played by uh, the director uh, Bob Clark too. Okay, um, it's it's the uh, it's the uh, fat cop. They were all kind of fat. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, are you talking about the fat cop with the sunglasses inter- interviewing the two people at the diner? Is there anything else you can give us that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, the uh, the first victim there, the truck driver, the fat cop that uh, is like trying to unstick his hands from oh, the fucking. Oh, that because uh, there was a couple of fat cops. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, small town I mean, cops. Small but, town cops. Good diners. Not, lots of donuts. You know, not a lot of crime. You know. Yeah. The, the, they, can't, they I mean, they can't work it off by fucking hookers or anything. It's a small town. Although I will say these cops don't don't seem like they're too bent out of shape by these murders. Like they've probably never seen murders in this town, and then all of a sudden there's like a handful of them just all of a sudden within the span of a day. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the special effects on this? Do you feel like they they held up all the way through? They they faltered out again, like the uh, the gory. Uh, I I think it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, you stab him with a hypodermic needle in your stomach. He's not going to die or mm-hmm. anything like that, you know. But then, uh, it, I mean, it gets a little, like, color me blood red, but the blood all over the wall gets very 60s for a second. Yeah. And then, then it tapers back down. I think the end is an excellent uh, – the makeup they do on the zombie is great. Uh, the blood, you know, just all of the white shirt stands out nicely, and it doesn't mm-hmm. get over cheesy. I think the running over the body was a great special effect. Oh yeah, where yeah, where he tries he tries to run. There's this sort of climactic scene, and this is actually this is the other 
scene that really disturbs me. The, the one of the one of the scenes in the sequence, anyway, that really disturbs me is where he kills his old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was especially. Brutal. And I actually and, thought she was a really really good actress. She, she was. I think everyone in this is actually really good, and she is very sympathetic. Just she just really does feel like the girl next door that you would fall right in love with, right? And she's just trying to get back with Andy. She she missed Andy and she wants mm-hmm. to get back with him and she's kind of heartbroken because he doesn't seem to be, you know, uh taking to her advances or anything. Mm-hmm. And then she just dies mm-hmm. a quick nasty death in that. Yep. Where basically and, he's just going full zombie and eating her. Yeah. Uh and <sighs> it's just and it, and it's it's brutal in that way that's more reserved, like in what you'd end up seeing in Halloween years later, where like right. the uh, the strangulation in in the back seat of the car, uh, or or the strangulation of uh, PJ Souls. Uh, yeah, you know, like not necessarily overly bloody or anything like that. Just like but brutal, brutal, like really brutal. Yeah, um, but yeah, then he he makes his getaway while uh, not not before trying to uh, run over his own sister and kill her, mm-hmm. but some dumb kid pushes her out of the way and gets run over for his troubles. And you get the scene of him backing up and then running over him again. And burning (laughs) rubber all over his ass. And then actually you see the body flumpling down as he pulls away, which is actually pretty good. And then the whole time, Bobby, which is a shit actress, actor, he's just getting strangled there. And yeah. um and she's just standing there like she's gonna take a two ton cock in her mouth the whole time like no <laughs> no nothing's coming out of her mouth she's just going ah like there's nothing yeah like, she's, like, she's gonna she's scream so, yeah she's so frozen she can't even scream she's just gone like mm-hmm. <laughs> mentally gone yeah um, spe- speaking of mentally gone let's talk about mommy yeah the, the, this is interesting because um this, this is where this movie sort of connects to uh, the monkey's paw. It, it's sort of like that classic uh, W.W. Jacobs story, mm-hmm. the monkey's paw, where one of the uh, one of the wishes that's made is to bring their dead son back, and that's kind of the setup for this movie, where she right. sort of wills her dead son back from the grave somehow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the rest of the story is kind of kind of to see her deteriorate mentally into delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to protect her son. It, Sac- it ends sacrificing up... her daughter mm-hmm. in, in, in the whole, I don't give a fuck about Catherine. I'm like, Whoa, really? Yeah. You're like it, she, she just like, she goes over the edge and her husband's not exactly very uh, supportive or uh, sympathetic either. He, he's kind of a jerk, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, that kind of shows you what happened to the people that came back from world war two. They shut everything up and became an yeah. asshole. Yeah, that's you a good point. I mean? Yeah, because yeah, he does mention he he went to war too, and but he didn't he didn't I come mean, back uh, weird, you know. It's like yeah, and and she's like yeah, because Andy's more sensitive than you are, and you, well, you he went never... to, yeah, he went to come because he he's a mama's boy and stuff like that. Like you yeah, know, it gets all that sensitivity from you, woman. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, that scene where the uh, doctor first comes into the house and. And she tries to cover up for Andy, and he's like, "No, you talk to me. This is my house." And, yeah, it's my yeah. house. Yeah, and back then that's the way it was, though. You know, yeah, and that's that's it. You know, I was actually surprised she didn't get hit in the movie because she kind of deserved it a little bit. She probably needed a, a slap to get out of the, her hysterics at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he, honestly, he, he, I can't believe they didn't have her really get hurt in that car wreck. I mean, she just no seatbelt, no big deal. Night yeah, down, she's, she's got like a she's got like a head wound, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then that was a that was a hell of a fucking thing to see. 
going yeah, through the gate. Yeah, I mean, they obviously spent their money really well. Mm-hmm. You, the, the two big things they spent their money on in this film, that scene and yeah. the makeup on Andy. They're, they're, they're both are really great. I want to get a world-famous footlong because they were at that place, and I'm like, well, I want a fucking hot dog now. Like, I want a fucking... <laughs> What the fuck? And then I like the fact that they were watching these things, these movies. It was like Death in Space and the the, the astronauts or the space knots. Something like and, that, uh, yeah. And then she's sitting behind the uh, the poster, and it's called Death Master. <laughs> you know, I was like, cool. I like that. Yeah, there's still drive-ins back then. It was nice. The Death Master. The Death Master. And, and he conquered death in a way. For a little bit. Yeah, I like um, going back to the special effects. Like I like uh, that that subtle little effect they do, where where this pus just pops out of the out of his forehead and starts leaking mm-hmm. down his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the uh, I like the scene where he uh, just before he goes on it on the date, he's deteriorating so much that he's got that big open wound on his hands with, that has maggots crawling in it. Yep, that's really good. I like that yep. a lot. And then the uh, just the eyes, the way they did his eyes, he actually had to use like full prosthetic contact lenses. Apparently, they're the ones that are so large that you can only keep them in your eyes for like a matter of minutes before they like start hurting your eyes and cutting off the actual blood to your eyes. The same so, ones they used in Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, re- really good stuff there, and uh, yeah, the the mother's, you know, she, it's it's kind of interesting. She she brings her. Uh, she brings her boy back, and it's, she almost kind of goes for like a reverse, uh, reverse birth kind of thing, where she puts him in the grave, like helps him mm. bury himself into the grave. Uh, she she finally accepts it and starts helping him bury him instead of trying to get him out of it. Yeah, yeah, but that, I mean that's a creepy fucking end scene anyway. I mean, and I mean and it's nice because you already get to see him writing on the, the grave, and you kind of figure he's putting his name and stuff on it. And then you get to see the fruition at the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he yeah. Is, he's literally fucked up pretty bad by that point in time. The makeup is full blown. It almost oh, looks—I yeah. don't, I don't even know—it almost looks like some of his skull's gone. Yeah, the, the, yeah. It looks like he's just like so deteriorated. Like, just all the layers of the skin are gone. Their skull peeking up. I liked at the early stages of this of this where the first thing that deteriorates, the nose starts going back. So you're getting, you're just getting like the actual little bit of bone that you have there, and then the cartilage is starting to sink in and then go mm-hmm. away. So that bone gets exposed. Just the the wrinkling of his skin and stuff looked really good. Like it looked like he was really drying out. You know, like right. it, it, it didn't look like oh, you can see the seams where uh, you can see where the the latex is and all that shit is. No, it looks like yeah, this guy's drying up and he's rotten away and he's falling apart worse than a fucking leper or some shit you know right so and then they have this idea of helping him and helping him run away and and the guy is just losing it too he's losing all that manliness all that toughness that he had and mm-hmm. he's he's letting her the wife actually like talk him into like taking him away and then he just after he sees andy being a zombie like full-blown he just loses all that i'm so tough and blew his, blows his own brains out. Yeah, so, he just can't take it. And, th- and that, that kind of shows, you know, it, it's it's you can only do that so much. You can only shove it inside so much. It, it, yes, that's the, that's the thing. That's his failing. He internalizes everything, and he doesn't act when he should have. And and, and in a way, he caused a lot more pain and misery than uh, than what should have happened. Because if he had managed to turn Andy in right at the beginning when he had his uh, suspicions, a lot yeah. of less people probably would have died. That's right. Um, 
So, I mean, he, he's, he's kind of, he, he knows his family's destroyed at that point. So he just ends it. It's like, what else can you do? Right. And poor little Catherine without a mom, dad, brother, or boyfriend. Yeah. Just left alone with that big gaping mouth that needs to get full. <laughs> While the, 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 uh, the world famous footlongs are at the, uh, the world famous footlongs people. Yeah. Uh, maybe she can console herself. Uh, I don't know. Tickle the tonsils. What are your sort of, you got any sort of final thoughts on this one there, uh, Paul? Well, I I actually saw the exposure of him in the backseat of the car, all zombified fully. Mm-hmm. I've seen that picture quite a lot growing up, and I never knew what film it was. Uh, so it was really funny, happy to get a chance to see that. Like I said, it's very 70s. It's very, you know, uh, are, are, like uh, a fear of the dark or like alone in the dark. Those kind of the film film look. Mm-hmm. It's a little dark. It's a very claustrophobic. You're very stuck in like little rooms, little houses, little, little offices. It's very dark at times. But overall, it's well-made, uh, well-acted, and definitely something that people should check out. And it's nice that you get that kind of vampiric ghoul instead of just a, I was a teenage zombie. Yeah, he's, he's more of um, I guess, I guess, yeah, he... he... He's he's kind of a, a, a vampire slash zombie slash um, maybe maybe you could argue uh, revenant or something like that because he seems to be like a it, it almost sort of hints that it's not his it's 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 almost like a ghost kind of right. quality to it where he, he rematerializes physically or something like that he's because because you you kind of, you kind of wonder how the fuck does he get back to the U S. Right, um, exactly. Like, well, and, and no one knows about him. There's just no casket. There's no this. There's a letter. Hey, he died, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. Uh, he's kind of like the uh, the hitchhiker that keeps on following the lady. Hey, thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, we got to do creep show, creep show too at some point. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I'll get into just a, a couple uh, little. Uh, well. Pretty much just one note here. I just want to mention that Bob Clark, although he primarily worked in the United States, from 73 to 83, he worked in Canada and was responsible for a lot of the uh, sort of big successful films that sort of fell under the uh, Canadian tax shelter thing. It was it was basically uh, a, a production company here in Canada called Quadrant Films that uh, I believe they backed or saw the success at least of Children Shouldn't Play of Dead Things. So they decided to back production of this. And although it was shot in in Florida, it technically is a Canadian produced film. And he just went on to work in Canada with great success. I mean, he after this he went on to make fucking Black Christmas. Um, right and. A lot of people do credit that as the very first slasher film, like the full first full on slasher film, but uh, especially holiday based. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he went made Murder by Decree. And then he went on to do Porky's, and of course, A Christmas Story. So he 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 worked in multiple genres and did a bunch of really classic films within that sort of period. So uh, yeah, I, I love this film. It's one of my favorite ones. I've been wanting to do this for the podcast for quite some time, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. I think it's honestly one of the it's it's one of the top five horror movies of the 1970s for me. I mean, a, a lot of people would throw Exorcist or something like that on their on their list. Um, Exorcist wouldn't even eke into my top ten as far as I'm concerned. Well, I never uh, really liked that one. We're open. Yeah, uh, this is up there with like Dawn of the Dead and stuff like that for me as far Texas as Chainsaw. 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, stuff like that, and um, like uh, Deep Red and, and and films like that. Like th- th- these are the really cool ones with a lot of really interesting ideas behind them that are right. Not necessarily the big uh, flagship horror films that a lot of people remember from the seventies, but um, this is this is one well worth uh, looking for. And uh, I'll just throw uh, the budget for this was an estimated two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, and apparently did pretty well for itself. So uh, I'm sure it probably made that all back, and then some. We talking about like Canadian dollars or real dollars? I think real dollars, U.S. dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Although wow. it did great in Canada too, but um, DVD info for this, uh, your best bet is. Currently, and this is what I own, the Blue Underground DVD from 2004. Uh, although they are releasing a Blu-ray this November, November 28th. Going to have their uh, Blu-ray, to, Blu-ray out as well. Uh, until then, you can also just go on YouTube. There's like two or three versions on YouTube you can check out if you are so inclined. And they're not too bad. Oh, excuse me. They're not too bad. So there you go. Yeah, and I guess that's it. Uh, high recommendation yeah. for this film. And uh, Paul. Tell people yes. where they can find you on the interwebs. Oh, uh, Oil Paintings by Paul O'Malley, Facebook, uh, Funeral of Dust, Permanent Midnight, PA Brunews on Facebook, PA Brunews Twitter, PA Brunews YouTube, Funeral of Dust 666 on the YouTubes. Sorry I wasn't a little bit more chipper on this one. That's all right. I'm glad you were um, able to struggle through your illness and at least show up. So that's good. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing a next week. Uh, I, I kind of hope that we can do at least one more uh, regular episode, but we have a lot of bonus stuff coming as well in the next week and a half or so. So uh, no matter what, there's going to be a lot of content coming out from this podcast. If you'd like to find more of our podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find all of our episodes there. You can find our YouTube link. You can t- find our uh, Apple podcast slash iTunes link there. And of course you can find our Facebook group, which again, join that. If you want to leave comments and questions and uh, interact with us and figure out, find out what's going on on the podcast. And um, until then, we're going to go out with something a little bit odd. It's not from the soundtrack of the actual film because God damn, it was hard for me to find anything from the soundtrack for this film. Um, It's just one of those ones that, isn't out there even on like fucking uh, those blog spot sites that rip soundtracks and just pass right. around and stuff. So uh, it kind of disappointed me, but there's this really cool uh, music video from this band called Wax Fang. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily the sort of music I tend to listen to. It's kind of a uh, uh, alternative folk band or something along those lines. It's not bad, but it's just not what I tend to listen to. But the uh, name of the video is, uh, it's for the song Dawn of the Dead of the Night of the Hunter. Uh, And the music video has clips of Dawn of the Dead, Death Dream, and Night of the Hunter in it. And it's actually kind of cool. Watching it with the images and the music paired together, it's got this kind of neat, nostalgic kind of feel to it. So I'll also link the video down in the show notes for people if they are so inclined to uh, check it out and want to watch it. But yeah, we're going to go with Wax Fang. And uh, until next time... Uh, but before you leave, I got one more. Okay. What did you actually think about the soundtrack of just the scratching guitars and the heavy breathing? 
I thought it was pretty good. Like there, there's I mean, that. Di- I mean, they really took it in a different way than a lot of other films that time were doing it. I mean, like well, one, you got a film that's referencing Vietnam and it wasn't full of CCR, so that's different. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but then you have like, like I said, like it's just that ominous, like like guitar scratching sounds and i'm like that yeah that is low budget but in a really well way yeah no it's a really good minimalist uh score i mean it's got like the the guitar scratchy stuff it's got some like uh, synth stuff in it it's got these uh weird moments of like uh uh, childish whisperings and stuff like that, and ghostly whispers and shit like that in the background. Yeah. And yeah, it, uh, it, it, it helps kind of uh, sell like there's some sort of underlying uh, mm-hmm. supernatural element to it that uh, right. isn't really explained. So which... We never got, we ever actually, you know, it almost seems like we never actually got to see the black ceremony calling Cthulhu that the wife, the mom did in her bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. You know, we we never got a chance to actually see that, but we know something was going on. She's in a can- room in a nightgown with a candle chanting. There, there was going down. there was never a scene where the dad came into the kitchen going, "What's this bill for black candles?" I don't yeah, remember buying this? any black candles. Goat's yeah. blood. Goat's blood. Not again. God damn! <laughs> I, I could have bought you some liquor. Yeah. I'm a man, they'll sell liquor to me. Yep, uh, not some bitch, but yeah, I'm a man. You can see God <laughs> after a couple of course of this. Yeah, but no, that's what I mean. It's just, it's very interesting, um, and there is a lot of that. Yeah, kind of like weird things going on, and it's not essentially a score, as I would say, it's a part of the film. That you yeah. know, like it's an actual, it's another atmosphere to the film. More yeah, it's, so con- than it's, a score. It's, it's more directly connected to the film than it is like complementing it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, it, again, uh, another excellent aspect of this film. Um, so go out and fucking watch it, you bunch of fucking assholes. And uh, <laughs> until then, thank you for joining me, Paul, and thank all you assholes for listening. And we'll talk to you assholes again soon. Bye bye. <laughs> Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For past episodes and links to our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook group, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find links to other podcasts and websites of similar interest. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review. Please join our Facebook group as it's the single best place to get in contact with the hosts and to know what's coming up on the podcast. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>